Principal Matters Podcast, episode 173. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about lessons you learn from your scars. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. When I was in college, I had a blue 1981 Toyota Celica that overheated on a long trip back to Oklahoma and the engine burned up. It was my first car. I had bought it with the money that I had earned over summers as a shell diver in the Kentucky Lake area, but now it was toast and I became a carless college kid. On my next summer break, I talked a friend of mine into driving me back to Tennessee on his way home to North Carolina. And any money I earned that summer, I had to save for school. Before long, it was time to return to college, and I had planned to catch a Greyhound bus back this time. The morning of my trip, I began packing my bag for the long road ahead. And as I was shoving all my belongings into the bag and holding down the bag with my knee, I pulled the zipper closed around it, but as I did, it suddenly broke. The zipper threads spreading open like long, jagged lines of opposing soldiers. And no matter how hard I worked, I could not weave them back into line with the broken metal clasp in my hand. So I had an idea. I found my dad's toolbox and I retrieved some plastic wire ties. And with a pair of sharp scissors, I started cutting holes along the edges of the zipper hemming and inserting the plastic ties and then pulling them tight. And it worked. I found a makeshift solution. But as I dug the scissors into the next hole with my right hand, I didn't think about my left hand as I was clenching the fabric beneath. And I quickly sliced through my left index finger. As I stared at the oozing blood, I knew that I would need stitches. Not only did I have a long bus ride home to college, but now I would be traveling with the fresh sting and throb of a sewed-up finger. Well, mom gave me a ride to the ER. This was 1989, and a 21-year-old was not covered by his parents' insurance in those days, and I hadn't bothered to look for any other coverage. So mom talked to the hospital staff, and they agreed to break the costs into a series of small payments. And so after my finger had been sewed up, she wrote them a check for the first installment. And a few hours later, I was standing at the truck stop where the Greyhound buses boarded passengers. Mom gave me a hug and a kiss, And as she drove off, I wondered how long the 500 miles ahead would feel with my wired-tied traveling bag and my throbbing finger that the doctor said I had to keep elevated to prevent swelling. A bus schedule was posted on the side of the building, and the next pickup time was 6 p.m., so I had a couple of hours to spare. I sat on my bag, awkwardly pointed my wrapped finger in the air, and I waited. One hour turned to two and then to three and no bus came. I went inside and no one in the truck stop could explain why. And as the evening darkened, I finally decided to find a payphone. Yes, they had those back then too. And I clumsily dialed the number to my grandmother. My parents didn't have a phone at the house. And I know that's hard to believe too. So my grandmother told me that she would drive down and tell them that I needed help. 
And as the evening darkened, I waited, and finally one of my older brothers pulled up in his pickup truck. He took one look at me. Man, you've had a hell of a day, haven't you, he said. And he threw my bag in the truck bed. You sure you don't want to stay back this semester and farm with me? It was midnight by the time that we made it to the house, and Mom and Dad had already gone to bed. I knew that my dad would be the first one up in the morning, and I needed him to drive me back to the bus station before heading to work. I'd already lost a day of travel, and I couldn't afford another one, so I didn't want to miss the start of the semester. I was so tired that I could barely think. The house was quiet. I couldn't decide how to make sure Dad would drive me, so I dropped my bag by the front door and just lay on the floor beside it, holding my injured hand and falling asleep. It was early morning and still dark outside when I felt my dad's toes prodding me awake. Get up and wash your face, he said. Let's eat some breakfast and then I'm driving you to the Nashville airport. I rubbed the sleep from my eyes and I said, I don't have money for a plane ticket, daddy. Well, I'll take care of it. Just get ready, he said. Like most families I knew, we lived on a tight budget and my parents never used credit cards. So I knew my parents were sacrificing to get me back to school just like they had sacrificed to mend my finger, I also knew from the tone of Dad's voice that the decision was final. The first time that he had sent me off to school as a college freshman, he'd taken my car to the shop in town and bought me four new tires. Those roads get icy in the winter, he'd said, so you're going to need good ones. And of course, he was right, and I was thankful. As we drove the two hours to Nashville in the family Oldsmobile, I looked out the window at the passing fields and trees It was late summer, and Tennessee always boasts tall pines and thick patches of oaks and cedars. Soybean fields and corn were bursting with growth and not too many weeks away from harvest. And even though it was a work day, I noticed Daddy had not worn his mechanic's clothes. He was in his going-to-town clothes, wearing a collared dress shirt, slacks, and a pair of black dress shoes. I don't remember what we talked about as we drove, but it was a pleasant ride. I felt so relieved that I'd be flying instead of spending the entire day on the road. As we pulled into the airport entrance, I rolled down the window all the way for a good look. My elbow was hanging out the window, and we passed flower beds lined with rows of golden petunias. The lanes of the road seemed confusing, but led us to a series of signs pointing to the departing flights and parking areas. I didn't have much experience with airports then, so I trusted my dad to navigate. Before long, we had parked dragged my bag to the ticket counter, checked it, and bought a one-way ticket to Tulsa. In those days, you could still walk to the gate and wait together without any security lines or screenings. And as we made our way down the long, carpeted hallway to my gate, my dad stopped and looked down at his shoes. The sole of his left shoe was separating at the toes. You could see his sock-covered foot sticking out in front. Well, he said, I guess we'll have to walk a little slower. So we walked along, plop plop of daddy's shoe smacking on the carpet. He just smiled till we reached my gate. He stood there as I boarded the plane, and before long, it lifted up above the airstrip. Now Nashville was quickly shrinking below me, and somewhere down there, my daddy was plopping his way back to the car for the long ride home alone. There's a reason I'm telling you this story this week, if you stayed with me this long. And it's because all these thoughts came back to me last week when I was in Nashville for a conference for the Association for Middle-Level Education. It was a great trip and a great conference. It was fun seeing the city again. It had changed over the years, more skyscrapers, more places to listen to music. 
The conference was wonderful, learning with all kinds of great leaders and takeaways to bring back to my state. My last night there, my little brother drove into the city to have dinner with me. He's a musician, and it was fun to catch up. And the next morning, I boarded the hotel shuttle for the Nashville airport. And as I was scrolling through my phone and occasionally glancing out the windows, I noticed that Autumn was visiting the trees with hints of yellow and orange. But as we pulled into the entrance of the Nashville airport, that's when I was surprised to see the beds full with long yellow rows of blooming flowers. And I remembered. I was sitting back in the car with my dad, my elbow hanging out the old station wagon window, And he was sitting beside me, 50 years old, the same age that I am today, peering through his dark rimmed glasses at the unfamiliar signs, looking for a place to park. I could see him in my mind's eye unloading my bag, and before long, he was looking down with a grin at his broken shoe as he dug into his wallet for the cash to buy the ticket. I wondered what he was thinking. Was he calculating the months that it would take to cover the expenses of the last two days of hospital bills and the airfare for his college boy? Because if he was, he never mentioned it. He just stood there like always, taking care of me. A few years ago, I was driving my daughter Maddie home from school. She was a junior in high school where I was her principal. And I was telling her about a conference that I was planning to attend as the keynote speaker. And as we talked together about the upcoming trip, I said, Maddie, sometimes it's uncomfortable when people introduce me. I feel a little odd sharing stories about myself or telling people about my accomplishments. It can feel a little embarrassing. She was quiet for a moment, and then she said with a quiet resolve, well, Dad, if you give the credit to those who've helped you, then it shouldn't be embarrassing, right? So let's wrap this up. This week I've been thinking about how much has happened since that day my dad walked me through the airport almost 30 years ago. It's been years of teaching thousands of students, working in schools, raising a family, watching my own kids grow up. My oldest daughter turned 21 this week. And as I think back about those years, and as I look ahead at the things that I would still love to change about my life, I want to take a moment to be grateful. Grateful for parents who were and are willing to sacrifice for their children. Grateful for friends and family whose contributions always influence who I am. Grateful for the school leaders who I have the privilege of connecting with around me every day in my state and around the country and the world. Grateful for shoes that fit and aren't separated at the toes. Happy for luggage with zippers that work You know, a few years ago, I was talking to my mother about the scar on my left index finger. You know what she said? It took us about three years to pay off that finger, one month at a time, but we got it paid. I had no idea. I had completely forgotten that she had set up payments for my stitches. And like a typical college kid, I didn't bother to ask about it again. So this week, as I'm walking down memory lane, I'm even thankful for the scar on my left finger. It not only reminds me, of one, what I considered bad day back in college, it also reminds me of the many small ways that others have loved me, even when I didn't recognize or appreciate it at the time. So this week, you will be serving and leading 
others, whether it involves your school or your family. And it's likely that you will be taking some actions even today that others may never see. But it's my guess that there's someone, whether it's a student or a teacher or a fellow leader or a family member who will benefit because you are there. You may be mending some hurts or resolving conflicts or cleaning up messes that you didn't even make, or maybe some that you did make. But wherever you find yourself today or this week, take a moment to remember that the sacrifices of others are responsible for helping you reach your goals and then pay it forward by helping those around you with no expectations or strings attached. And when you do, you're doing what matters. So now it's your turn. Is there someone in your life who you may need to reach out to and say thank you for the ways that they've helped you recently or in the past? Pay attention today for the small ways that you can add service or assistance, even in a small way, to someone in your life or in your school. And when you see someone else serving, take a moment to celebrate them or show them gratitude. Well, I hope that was helpful. Those are some thoughts that I've had this week about gratitude and the ways that our small sacrifices can help those around us. And I am confident that this week, as you serve others, that you'll be helping them along their paths, because what you do matters. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. For those of you that are interested in the masterminds that I've been hosting this semester, we will be starting another opening in a couple of weeks. And so if you would like to be a part of an elite group of leaders who join together to study books on leadership, to self-reflect together, to hold each other accountable, and to give each other opportunities for hot seat questions where you share the most pressing and challenging parts of your leadership with feedback from like-minded leaders, then reach out to me at my email address at will at williamdparker.com and I'll share an application with you. And I'd be curious to know what times would work best for you as well. Well, until next week, I hope that you continue to do what matters, and I'll talk to you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.